Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is a Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. Your host this week, myself, Lee and Reed. Hi, it's my birthday tomorrow, Lee. Oh, happy birthday! Good for you. <laughs> yeah. any, any big plans? No, none at all, because I don't like doing anything for my birthday. But uh, one of the Six. only reasons why I mention it is because... Uh, so I work with two people in my immediate department, right? Um, sure. One of them is born three days be- uh, three days before me and is, has the same day as... Same birthday as my dog. Um, and then <laughs> okay. it turns out the newest hire is born on the same day as me. So my, oh, wow. my entire team is born within three days of one another, basically. <laughs> well, that's why they were hired. That's, yeah. how we, that's how we determine it. We're really big into the uh, Zodiac. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as it were. Uh, yeah, as opposed to the original release of Final Fantasy XII. Uh, well, our city is under water and snow, and the roads are cratered uh, with potholes. The, <laughs> I created uh, something. We're facing more. down. I created rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, uh, no no gods only men. Uh, we've we have uh, what we're facing down some sun today, but we have another Colorado low uh, moving in this weekend with some rain. Uh, it's it's bad. A lot of people getting flooded. Uh, but you know, video games. Read, they're always there. Coincidentally, last week on the same day, we both decided to watch the newly streamable The Batman twenty twenty two. Uh, and I just want to briefly talk about our thoughts on the Batman before going on to the myriad of video games we have to uh, to talk about today. Sure. Uh, watched it with my my wife. Uh, that movie it was it was kind of like a yeah let's let's start it. At, what what time is it? It's nine nine thirty p.m. Well, uh, this movie's three fucking hours long, uh, so let's let's roll with it. Uh, but but immediately interesting movie. Uh, tonally, you're going for more of a not completely new to the scene Batman as you have in Batman Begins. He's been he's been working at it uh, for a couple years. He has a uh, kind of a death wish. He kind of puts himself in situations uh, where he's just hoping someone doesn't shoot him in the face. Uh, he's capable. He's he's very good at punching guys. The suit, the action, his gadgets, the demeanor of Robert Pattinson as Batman, I thought was very very well done. Uh, you you could say a lot of negative things about his Bruce uh, performance, but Bruce is barely in the movie. Yeah, I thought that was intentional that he was a shitty Bruce Wayne because at this point he's so <laughs> he's become Batman so much that that's all he knows. He's so much Batman. He's he's caught up in Batman and thinking that uh, violence uh, is the only way he's he's going to save Gotham. He's not using both parts of his persona, so to speak. Uh, he, he he doesn't think bureaucracy. He doesn't think that what Bruce Wayne uh, has available to him is is not something that will help uh, the state the city is in. And of course, we are given a Gotham. Uh, basically, the entire plot is <laughs> uh, de- dealing around Falcone, uh, who is a character that usually is 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 dealt with in the first year of Batman's story. And then you can go read Long Halloween or whatever. He was, he was, of course, in the Batman Begins movie as well. Basically, the the mobster that Batman takes out before he gets to the better part of his rogues gallery. Uh, basically, the last old-school crime boss uh, that Batman deals with before he's dealing with absolute fucking lunatics left, right, and center. Um, and John Turturro plays him in this movie, Falcone, that is, and he does a fine job. I like him as a, as a villain. I think the casting overall in this movie 
uh, from top to bottom. You have your Catwoman, your Penguin, uh, even Riddler, quote-unquote, or whatever they, they stood in for R- Riddler in this movie is Paul Dano. Is is a good performance. It's it's maybe not as true to the character of Riddler as we know him from other Batman media. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. So, like, of my overall of the overall movie, or just Riddler's like specific. Let's start with Riddler. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Riddler, I did not enjoy whatsoever um, on a personal level. Just I, I enjoyed it up until you actually saw him in the interrogation scene in the last act of the movie, um, but. Because up until then, it was basically just messages that he left over, and he was doing like a, he was doing a little bit of a Riddler shtick. Um, but the actual when you actually saw him in person, I guess we're going to spoiler territory here. But eventually, like he Riddler does get caught, um, so they have an interrogation scene, and I thought they got rid of all of the hallmarks that makes Riddler Riddler, and that is his egotistical charm, his very dark humor, um, his constant need to prove himself smarter than everybody else, especially Batman. I thought they threw all that away to make Riddler into more of a anar- anarchist, uh, disenfranchised, lonely, incel 4chaner who is reminiscent of hey. uh, the Joker. Why'd you have to go for Channer at the end of that? Because there's a uh, lot. Because that's where a lot of this shit stems from. Like because there's nothing moderated on. I'm not saying that's a bad or a good thing. It's just a lot of these things have stemmed from that site because it's not moderated. You, there's lots of good and bad on that site. But the whole point of it is they're doing a modernistic modernistic take where um, where like mentally ill people are, can go onto these echo chamber sites and be filled with horrible shots down to. Um, them even having the Joe, the Riddler record a video before he goes and does a terrorist act that's very reminiscent of like videos that like school shooters record before they go out and school and sh- uh, shoot people um and like the comments on his video are like oh yeah you should go buy Excalibur and stuff and it's like I'm sure that, like, was great for a lot of people because it brings Batman into this very real world that we deal with on a daily basis. But it, it, but for that reason, it totally took me out of it because it didn't feel, it didn't feel like I was watching a Batman movie anymore. It felt like I was watching, like, something more real that Batman just sticks totally out of. Um, so that completely took it out of, for me. Like, I, I, I hate these people in real life, so putting it as, like, your main villain in a Batman movie just... It, it, I wasn't able to disassociate myself with the movie at that point, so I didn't like it. Uh, didn't like the Riddler because of that. Uh, overall, the rest of the movie, um, I really enjoyed. I thought he was clearly going for kind of, like, a seven sort of investigative, investigative thing. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed those aspects because Batman is the world's greatest detective, and we do need to show off that more. Um, so I, I liked all that stuff. I thought that was great. Um, Colin Farrell's The Penguin was great. <laughs> I really liked a lot yeah. of the stuff he did. Like, ah, come on, why are you showing me this? That was great. Was it Zoe, Zoe Kravitz? Is yeah. that Catwoman? Yeah, movie? I'm... She, uh, is she... What's that? She's she's the daughter of... Yeah, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm sure. more so just completely over Catwoman at this point in media. Like, um, we've seen it in almost every Batman film franchise. We've seen it in all the Batman games, this constant teasing from Selena. I'm sure there's lots of people that enjoy it, but I, uh, I just like, it, it, it wasn't a positive or a negative for me personally. I didn't think it added much to the movie, nor did it take away from it really. 
I think it yeah. might. I think if you cut out the Catwoman stuff and made it more of a focused Batman Riddler detective thing and got it under two hours, like an hour fifty, it would have been they uh, a stronger yeah, movie. So th- to, to agree with what you said, the third hour of this movie is complete bullshit. Uh, this movie could have ended at the two-hour mark, and they could have had a resolution with Riddler that was a bit more thought-provoking is not the word I'm looking for. But basically, in comparing it to Seven, it's okay to let the villain succeed, and the villain does succeed in this. Riddler gets everything he wants, uh, and then some. So, like, the it's really dumb at the end of the, obviously, the... The mystery that that Batman uh, Pattinson is trying to solve here is uh, who who's Riddler going to kill next? Who's this serial killer? Where is he? Why is he doing this? Uh, and then leading back to Thomas Wayne and what Thomas Wayne did uh, with the orphans, and that uh, the the sins of the father will be vi- visited on the son. So Riddler's actually after Bruce, and there's a whole tease that Riddler has has mm-hmm. discovered Batman's identity, and yet Riddler, this hyper intelligent. Uh, psychopath has not figured that out yeah he, and he, he and even before that sorry to interject so quickly just one quick thing um the second yeah. that they were doing like the bruce has to pay for the sins of his father I, at that moment you lose all credibly for the riddler doing anything that's interesting because that crosses the line from oh he's like misguided but he's doing the right thing to okay now he's just kind of an asshole well, he was only killing the the directly corrupt. Yeah, he was, he was only, only killing people yeah, directly involved in, yeah, exactly. in being dirty cops or dirty politicians. And then suddenly he's like, I'm going to kill an innocent man uh, for something his father did. And then the bent of that would be like, oh, does he know he's Batman? And then they tease it for like this. Wh- they wanted that scene. They wanted the scene where you're like, oh, my God, does he know who he is? And then he doesn't. And then they had to bend the movie around that being a scene that could take place and everything that happens like the the build-up for me was that batman's been dealing with mobsters and common uh street uh, train platform punks that just beat up people you know like um, in bad cities there's just like the the yep. really heavily tattooed and pierced leather jacket wearing street street roughs uh that hang out on train platforms and just beat people up because yeah uh that's what batman's been dealing with but now he's dealing with a uh, Riddler thinks he's working with Batman. He thinks that Batman is trying to expose the same corruption that Riddler's after, where Batman is not killing uh, otherwise innocent people, corrupt people, people who are guilty of crimes, yes, but he, he thinks that they're like a duo, that they're working together, and when Batman's just like, no, man, he has his little freak out. Uh, and then somehow a p- perfectly orchestrated, like, they blow up the seawall in Gotham and the whole thing's flooding. Not unlike <laughs> our city in this last week with the weather and stuff like that. And now it becomes Batman, uh, the arc for Batman completely changes. And it becomes this, uh, oh, I need to be this symbol of hope. I need to make myself more available to the people. When this dude is already working with the police, he's showing up at crime scenes and they are allowing his presence. Yes. Uh, didn't make any sense. The, yeah. the the thing that needed to happen was uh, there's the scene with Gordon and Batman and the thing, and he punches uh, Gordon to make it look like he's a, he's he's escaping, uh, and then he escapes, and then Riddler implicates Batman in his crimes so that Batman becomes a public enemy, much like he does at the end of Dark Knight, and Batman realizes that that's that is the path now that his enemies or the people who think they're doing good like he is vigilante crime or justice or whatever you want to call it. 
they're emulating him and that there's lines in the movie that still allude to that riddler's whole speech with him in the interrogation room uh the dude getting punched in the face a bunch and basically saying i am vengeance uh it's like oh they're they're emulating me but they're bastardizing my my approach am i the bad guy am i going to be creating these monsters is a Batman theme that isn't really overly explored in the movies as much as yeah. in the comics and stuff like that. Do these rogues exist without Batman existing? And does crime stay at a manageable level without him ramping it up? Yeah. Uh, they don't go into any of that. Batman ends up swimming around and, and carrying children uh, to airlifts. And it's completely against the tone of what I felt the rest of the movie yeah, was. It, it, it goes against the realism that they're going for because when you hear about shootings, when you hear about uh, domestic terrorism, stuff like the, this stuff resembles, you only ever hear about the perpetrators, the people causing it. You never hear about the like about like random X person that might have saved one person like Batman's doing here. So in that yeah. regard too, it took me out. And I think they there there could have been an ending here that you could have had your cake and eaten it too, where both Batman and Riddler, even though Riddler sort of succeeds, both of them feel defeated at the end. And it you and you still go on that realism pass, if I may suggest something. They capture all the other Riddler dudes, right, at the end. And yeah. you show like quick cut inter inner in a um interrogation footage where they're all asking them why did you do it? And they all have different reasons, but they all still cite Batman and Riddler as inspiration. One guy says, like, my wife left me and I wanted to hurt people. Another person says, like, I've never been able to find a job or a girlfriend and I want to hurt people. Another like person says like this and that, and then you show that footage to Riddler and Batman, so both of them feel like they inspired these horrible people to do horrible things, and both of them feel defeated at the end. Boom! There's your yeah. fucking ending. Um, yeah, and then they oh, didn't want to let Riddler win. Batman had to punch some people in the face before the movie was over. Yeah, but like Riddler wins in this movie. There's there, it's basically the what what's in the box scene, and he blows up the seawall. Like the dude succeeds. He kills. He kills John Turturro there. It's really dumb that Bruce realizes the riddle bring bring him bring the rat into the light after it happens. It could have happened at the it could have happened concurrently, so we could give Batman a little credit where he's like, "Oh fuck, I've fallen directly into this guy's plan." Look up at the window. There's Riddler with a sniper rifle, and I fucked up. Yeah. Um, and of whatever course, the case. And of course, yeah. the movie ends with a fucking Joker tease because Batman, like, hey Joker. Yeah, and then the the implication that Joker already exists or Batman has already dealt with the Joker, I it's whatever, man. Uh, Look, I uh, the, the, if this movie yeah. would have come out in five years and ten years, when I'm not absolutely fucking sick of Batman superheroes, maybe I would have liked this more. But to me, this film felt a lot like this dude was asked to do a Batman movie, then he went out and watched a bunch of Robert Eager's movies. And was like, I can do this for Batman. I can make like an artsy Batman film. And it's inherently you can't do that because like it just feels so off for me. Like you have a dude running now, around. This a all bat being suit. said, the the first two hours of this movie are my favorite Batman movie. Yeah, they're like, like they're tight, they're definitely well shot and everything. Like it's yeah. good. The uh the tone, the narration, uh which people are, are saying is like edgy, is is just like this is Kevin Conroy batman except he doesn't got the voice yet he's only been doing it for two years he's he's writing in a diary and wondering what he is what he represents etc etc the scene where it went to him in the in his back cave listening to acoustic nirvana 
was was a little bit edgy, <laughs> a little bit on the on the yeah, yeah. his hair yes. is a bit much. I'm I'm waiting uh, for the meme where someone changed out that Nirvana song for "What I've Done" by Linkin Park. Yeah, it's yeah. got some of that, but also you know, <laughs> Batman's he's a sad guy. <laughs> what can I say? Let's uh, let's talk. Would you recommend it? Absolutely, but go go into that last hour knowing that things kind of fly off the rails and it's long and. Uh, yeah, and the movie's too long because of it. It could have it could have ended under the two hour mark uh, with a smarter ending where you allow Batman and Riddler to both win and lose, and and just kind of leave it at that. It doesn't it doesn't have to he doesn't have to be a hero at the end. It, he just doesn't. Uh, Dark Knight got that right. It was just like, ah, oh, fuck. I guess I'll take the heat because what is Batman? Uh, anyway. For for my interrogation, multi- like m- multiple people uh, ending. They just cut to like one other guy. He's like, "What? Wait, this isn't like a racist thing." <laughs> I thought it was a racist thing. Also, yeah, <laughs> the fact that all those guys look exactly the same is is pretty on the nose. Yeah. Uh, anyways, enough enough about that. Oh, I should mention uh, Corridor Media. They're on Twitter. They might be elsewhere. They did a. Uh, they took the entire the Batman trailer and they edited in Adam West. Uh, it's like more like a more well done version of the YouTube meme where you just put like Patrick Bateman walking down the hallway, yeah. but he's in Skyrim or something like that. Yeah. It's just a very well polished, <laughs> very well done one of those. And I, it's I fucking know excellent. Exactly what you're talking about with the Patrick Bateman yeah. shit. Patrick I don't know Bateman what I don't know what that to, meme format is called. Listens it's to like superimposing yeah. characters <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, anyways, uh, Halo Three. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Halo! Th- I thought you were gonna open with the fact that you beat Elden Ring. No, no, we're going to get to that at the end, uh, because I'll just gush about Elden Ring for 30 minutes. But uh, Halo 3 and Halo 3 ODST, they got the cross-play update, uh, which which led all of the Halo Infinite players to uh, leave in mass and go start playing that fucking campaign with their Xbox and PC bros. Uh, me and Reed, no exception. We we meant to start with Halo 1 and go through all the Halo games on stream, but we, uh, alas, we must start with Halo 3. Uh, what a game. What a great campaign. Yeah, uh... You forget how, when you have a linear campaign, like, comparing this to Halo Infinite, of course, um, but you forget yes. when you have a linear campaign, you forget that all the all of the scripted instances that they can create that are interesting to watch and see in real time, all of the bigger, you have more big battles in Halo 3 in the first uh, hour than you do in any fight in Halo Infinite, because it's always just like a dropship of a few guys. But you have giant- they don't even have scarabs in Halo Infinite, yeah, which I yeah. always thought was so weird. It's yeah. just like yeah, exactly that one level in Halo Three where you find a giant scarab, just three wraiths on the ground, like eight ghosts, and you're with like six rocket mongooses, a bunch of warthogs, <laughs> a fucking scorpion, and you're just going to town, and it's awesome. Um, it's it's well paced. Like we're nearly done, and I'm having a lot of fun with it personally. Um, the weapon selection, of course, is great. It's Halo. Um, so yeah, I forgot how well the game has aged in that regard, because um, it is my most played Halo game, for sure. I played it Absolutely. a lot back on the Xbox 360. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to finish this up, and especially excited if you want to, to play ODST, because that's the one Halo I yeah. haven't played. Oh, yeah. Halo ODST is my favorite Halo. Uh, you'll, see, you'll see why. I think even if you, it, you, it doesn't like replace Reach or whatever your favorite Halo is, uh, I think you'll understand that it because of the variety of Halo ODST and because of its more, I don't want to say dark approach, but take, taking you out of the uh, Master Chief suit for the first time, uh, you know, it was kind of a big deal. It's like, oh, they and they purposely made you vulnerable, and I love when video games do that. 
uh, when they're just like, no, 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 it's it's not going to be hunky dory. It's not going to be the same thing. But you get both. You get the best of both worlds. You get these flashback sequences where you are playing as a Spartan, and you get to directly uh, compare your your strategy and how how you play and how willing you are to run into battles uh, between the two characters. It's really good. Uh, so I intend to to play that. Yeah, we are just on the uh, basically the very end of the Covenant mission, uh, dealing with the flood and stuff like that. You can uh, go watch Reed stream in it. Ray Ray Oren, if I'm not mistaken, R E I R E I A U R O N on Twitch or Bonestorm Dorse on uh, YouTube, where yeah, specific- the Halo Three stuff is actually showing up. Yeah, yeah. specifically, uh, the Halo stuff is exclusive to YouTube. Streaming while trying to talk to you while playing Halo would be a little bit difficult. Yeah, when I'm just like just just droning on about nonsense. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, absolutely great game. Uh, the co-op, the yes. actual gameplay itself, like I should say the gameplay, but like how the crossplay works so far is a bit touch and go that we've found, especially on your end compared to mine. Yeah, um, it seems like, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but the bigger vehicle levels, it seems like the longer we play them, it gets a little dicey, it gets a little laggy going down to single frames, and it doesn't seem like a game performance thing, it seems like a server performance thing. Yeah, it, my um, end isn't personally bad but i am the one hosting the game that may or may not have something to do with it but there's only been a few instances where i've seen like hard um frame loss or anything like that but otherwise the game performs pretty perfectly for me so it like it it gets unplayable for a few handful of seconds here and there but otherwise i would say uh it's working pretty any any corridor based level and stuff like that i've never it's it's been fine yeah Uh, yeah especially those levels uh, it's 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 performing fine so if you got the master chief collection or game pass uh you can go check that out and we have the infamous uh, cortana level coming right up after this oh yeah yay (laughs) the infamous (laughs) it's like the library Uh, in, in halo one yeah it's it's fine halo 3 is good uh solid i like it i like what we've played of the campaign so so far way more uh, than my, like, 20 hours with Halo Infinite or whatever it was. Halo Infinite is one of the most disappointing games, considering the time and the... It, like, it, it continues to be. Like, the fact that the co-op campaign is still not fucking ready to go five, six months later. Uh, and maybe was never planned to be. Like, that that game is hemorrhaging uh, its player base. A- yeah, I, as is COD. As are all these these kind of games that are just kind of stagnant now. Yeah, so. for, for Infinite's case, I think they're still trying to figure out how the fuck do we get around, like, the whole RPG aspects that we implemented. Like, the, the, the upgrades and stuff like that. They're like, how do we implement that in a co-op sort of way? Um, so, so I know they're still trying to get over that hurdle. I think they're aiming for, like, August for co-op campaign for Infinite. Um, I say just leave the story bits out. Have you play as your Spartan from multiplayer? Yeah, and, and then just, just have you have your Master Chief upgrades and just yeah, be done with it. Yeah, yeah. It should be you just have your upgrades. You have this open world, and from there you can do any of the missions that the host character, the host player, sorry, has done, and they'll all show up as like waypoints on a map. So you can go replay those missions if you want, or you can continue with the story. Um, but yeah, uh, that's. Like, it's so weird when, like, speaking of Elden Ring, like, these games did not come out from afar, like, they were pretty close in release date, like, what, within six months of one another? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's well, cr- Halo Infinite was, de- like, early December, and then Elden Ring was end of February. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, even closer than that. So, it's crazy to, like, conceive, like, what purposes their open worlds served and how good they accomplished their goals. 
like Elden, like the whole purpose of Elden Ring is the Elden World. It's it's for exploration. It's for mystery. It's for all of your items. Everything you could possibly need in that game is through the open world and you exploring it and getting items to access more of it. Whereas Halo Infinite, like, what is the purpose of the open world? Like, is it just so there's some space in between like Spartan cores to upgrade your? Uh, your it's stuff? literally because every game was open world when they started to develop it. Yeah, so yeah, it felt like we needed to add an open world, but they didn't stop to think at all about what like you can do with an open world. Like, I like that they added. Nor did they elaborate on the on the format at all. They just made a stripped down open world that is akin to every other one. Yeah, There's like, no And like we talked yeah. about when we first talked about Infinite, you could have done interesting things with an openish world and that's more of like a shadow of war thing they could have done where you recruit uh squads or aliens to your side to help them in a big battle so you can see open warfare in places that you're not even at and you can go help them out in a fucking ship or something like that. Um but yeah, as it stands, it's like it's even more jarring now how much that open world just serves no purpose whatsoever. No. And it's, the the ca- actual campaign scripted levels in Infinite are the worst in the series. And they suffer yeah, and they suffer from the open world because there's only one envi- there's only two environments in that world. It's either forerunner corridors or it's like the grassy Halo world. Uh it's it's that's what you lose from the scripted Halo 2, 3, 4, those environments. You got snowy levels, you got desert levels, you got uh forest levels, you got for, forerunner corridors, you got all this other crazy variety and stuff like that. And you don't get any of that in Infinite. Also the fact that you can't keep your juke and your grapple shot equipped at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I do like the grapple uh, shot though. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But it's also in other games. Like, Just Cause 2 had a fucking grappling hook. Timefall 2, baby. it functioned the same. Uh, Anyways, that's Halo. Uh, So check that out. Uh, (laughs) Before we... You know, I played a good chunk. I'm trying to uh, de... uh, Detoxify myself of Elden Ring. No, that's not what I wanted to say. But I played a bunch of Wonderlands. (laughs) Oh, you did? I just wanted to shoot some skeletons, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I just want to say, because I've, I've, you know, we've talked about it before, that game's a lot of fun. Uh, when you get some good abilities and some good uh, some good weapons happening, it just kind of keeps the, the flow of action headed your way and is very... Uh, let's, let's just keep going. Just keep shooting the skeletons. Keep... keep yeah, from a game... Fun- from, yeah. a, from a gameplay perspective, as someone who's played all of the Borderlands and enjoys all of them generally... This is like the peak of the actual gameplay, just as far as how it performs, um, the access. I love the addition of two rings you can equip. I think spells are infinitely better than grenades because they have some of the spells are super cool. Yeah, I like they the have, way they uh, yeah they have they so much function. Yeah, they have so much more variety and they're so much more fun to use, especially for your spell shot. And you can mix that up and all that stuff. Um, and you can create your own character, how they look, how like the armor changes when you put it on, which is really awesome addition to the game. You can change how your armor looks for each individual piece. So in all those regards, it's it's very clearly the best Borderlands game. Um, and I don't, from the other end, though, I don't know if it's just me getting more cynical as I'm older, but I can't fucking stand, like hearing this game not as like the i don't mean like the the (laughs) the music or the or the sound effects but like every mission any time any npc opens their mouth i want them to shut the fuck up and let me play the game now you're getting it but understanding but it's not like borderlands 2 something i've played as recently as last year and i still very much enjoy the writing in that game i don't find it annoying and i like the characters especially jack 
So it has to be the writing that has just gotten up. Like it's almost become a parody of itself. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's it feels like a it feels like the scuff cheap version of Borderlands Two. It feels like yeah. these are all the same jokes, but done with a, a but teen filter. Just because they need to be here. Like, yeah, and it's and this game is rated T for teens, so they can't put in a lot of those crass jokes that they could have had before. But yeah, with dick in, sucking, and all yeah, that kind of stuff. But in general, uh, kind of what you said before, Borderlands Two, its humor felt witty and sharp, and for the time, it was very. Um, like when at the time it came out, the humor was very relevant and it felt very fresh and good. But this has felt like they haven't, like they they need to keep doing Borderlands Two humor, and it feels like a parody of itself. Like I said before, a lot of it just doesn't land for me, and it goes on for far too long for punchlines that like just aren't worth it. Whereas Borderlands Two, all the punchlines came through dialogue as you're getting shit done already. And it would bring you through areas that you've already finished. I, I digress. Um, but besides <laughs> that, I love the game. But yeah, like I said, I, I think it's just the writing has gone worse and I've become more cynical, but I can't stand. Yeah. The death cries of the skeletons are good. There's some good lines of dialogue in there akin to grunts. Yeah. In, shit uh, like that is great. Halo. But like, I hate when I accept a quest and it's like, follow this person to this room. And then for like two minutes, they're talking to an NPC through a joke that just is not fucking funny or anything like that. You're like, oh, yep. haha, the robot's putting on a sexy voice and all the girls like him now. That's funny. Laugh. Yeah. I, I, was, I was saying to my wife last night that uh, I would be like, but that's the joke. But. That if, that's, that's the punchline. That it's called but. And she said, uh, you know what? Sometimes but is enough. And I thought that was pretty profound. I kind of <laughs> left it at that. Uh, I got to the point, spoilers for Wonderlands, uh, where the b- big bad shows up, grabs a sword, and cuts off the unicorn's head. Yeah, sure. Uh, I thought that was pretty rad. <laughs> like, sick. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. The, fairly the, graphic for this teen-rated kid game. It, I don't it know. Surprisingly, we'll it surprisingly touches on a lot of aspects that, like, a lot of people who play tabletop RPGs encounter. From Tina's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, her... She doesn't have much confidence in her ability to be a DM yet, and she's constantly seeking validation through her players. You're going to encounter parts later in the game where she like tries to force a character on them that they should like, but they're like, no, we're players in this game, and you can't tell us to like a character. Like It's up to our decision. Um, so they come into conflict there. It's like resolved quickly, obviously. But um, they touch upon a lot of those aspects, which as a person who plays D and D, I really enjoy like all of that shit. Like there's a ton of references, uh, to that kind of stuff. If that's the stuff that you enjoy. So, uh, all that stuff I think is generally pretty good. I like, and even that her villain, like at the beginning, the two players are like, oh, your villain's kind of a pussy. Like he doesn't seem like that badass. And then he comes down and kills, uh, butt stallion. And like, that's something yeah. that a but DM that's, would that's do. That's the joke. Yes. Well, but. That's because in that's that's it originated for in Borderlands too because Jack's taunting you that he can kill you with no effort and then he has so much money he's like I just bought a horse I'll name it something stupid like I don't know Butt Stallion and then just stuck you know what I mean Yeah it's stuck all right Yeah uh, yeah so that's Wonderlands uh, Do you like Borderlands Well you'll probably like this Do you not like Borderlands and you Well this is a good won't. one of those Yeah <laughs> uh, but it depends on the reason you don't like Borderlands. Uh, yeah, I can I can get a, I can turn that just turn those voices down, baby. Play a little Spotify, and you're just having a good time with a bunch of wacky guns. So yeah, enough said. 
about that. Weird West. Have you tried Weird West yet? Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Um, it it was fine. I didn't like the fact that it's not voiced, if I'm being honest. It's something that I was going to stream, but the fact that it's not voiced and I would have to say the dialogue for everybody, I was like, I can't do 80 what, hours. Why the of fuck do you have to say the dialogue? It's on the screen. People can read it. Well, I'm not going to sit there in silence, especially when I'm not streaming in front of anybody and just, like, nothing happens. It's a little <laughs> bit awkward. Um, but the game, like, it's from what I played, it seems fine if you're into that kind of bullet hell mixed with CRPG kind of aspects. For for my end, personally, it just made me want to play an actual CRPG. So I booted up old uh, Baldur's Gate 3 and Divinity Original Sin 2 again. Now, to be fair to Weird West, I would call it a CRPG, but it has... It's basically like a throwback, but it has a lot of uh, modern-day enhancements. So, like, it, it's not a out-and-out action game, even though you can play it that way. It's a bit more methodical. It's a bit more sneaky. It's a bit more using your environment and combining effects of, like, throwing the oil lamp down and setting it on fire or uh, shooting the one guy so he runs into your mine trap that you've set up. And then, of course, you can... Uh, you start playing as the bounty hunter. You unlock other classes later that have their own kind of side stories. Uh, it's a, a, a cult version of the West, uh, so you got your werewolves and all kinds of zombies and, and uh, fucking Cthulhu monsters and, and weird shit like that going on. Uh, otherwise, fairly well written, like it, it strikes the vibe that it's going for. The environments are kind of cool and like kind of little self-contained maps uh, to deal with. Uh, there's, there's side quests. Uh, there's a sense of time where you have a certain amount of time to complete side quests, and if you fail, that'll affect the overall story and where it's going. Um, and that's kind of all I have to say about Weird West so far. There's a, a pretty good item uh, variety. You do get a lot of different kinds of guns and stats and stuff like that, so there is a loot uh, kind of aspect to it, but we'll leave Weird West at that until I play a little more of it. You went back to Divinity. Let's hear more about that. Um, so that's just a game I wanted to stream because I've done like three or four really short video games for my YouTube slash stream lately, so I wanted to sink my teeth into something um, a bit more on the meaty side. Uh, yeah, just I was just like going through games trying to see what would click, and if I got into anything, I played like 30 minutes of Divinity. I'm like, oh yeah, this is taking me once again. Um, I'm doing specifically um, the hardest difficulty, um, technically not. Like there's an honor mode for the game where you only have one save, and if your party dies at any point, your save gets deleted. Um, so that's technically the hardest mode, but I didn't want to do that because I'm not that glutton for punishment, especially given how difficult the game is. Um, but yeah, it continues to be one of the best CRPGs ever made. Um, I, it's crazy how much more I actually enjoy this more than Baldur's Gate 3, which I played more lately. And I really, yep. really enjoyed Baldur's Gate 3. But Divinity Original Sin 2 not only has a fairly enjoyable story intriguing mysteries and stuff like that boulders grade three is better in that regard but divinity original sin 2 has the character building the actual combat all of that stuff is just um absolutely bonkers i've spoken about it on this pod before so i won't get too deep into it but you can mix and match any uh skill stuff and make it work in a specific way um and every battle is super enjoyable in how you approach it. I was I was doing this one fight early on in my stream, uh, and I couldn't get past it. It was like a ton of enemies lined up on the beach, essentially. And they would come at me from two different places and overwhelm me too quickly. So before the fight started, I snuck one character, uh, blocked one path completely with crates and barrels while they weren't looking. Then uh, moved an oil barrel into the middle of them, shot it with a fire spell so it exploded and made a big fire path for the only way that they could get to me. 
So tons of enemies just took so much residual damage getting to my characters because it's the only way they can get through. And other characters were blocked entirely. Um, so like solutions to that is what makes the game so fun. And like I said, the build variety is the real star attraction of the game. My two characters, I'm doing I'm doing a lone wolf playthrough, which is makes the game a little bit harder. It basically, you can't use four characters, you can only use two, but those two are slightly better than they would be if they were just by themselves. They get like double stats in a lot of cases. So like I it's it's really weird and it, like a lot of this stuff is gonna be hard to explain, so I won't I'll just briefly touch on it. There's a skill tree called Warfare that does physical damaging moves and has a lot of CC heavy. But if you equip a staff, all of the damage that comes off those abilities will be scaling off intelligence instead of strength and will also receive bonuses from the staff that you're using. So even equipping a different weapon completely changes how a skill tree, uh, a skill school, I should say, completely interacts with the actual game and how it performs with the armor system. Um, so I'm doing like a, a battle, like a fire battle mage essentially that uses a staff along with fire and warfare skills to get in there, like completely burn everybody like crazy, explode them. And then when all that shit's done, I can CC them with knockdown attacks. Um, one of the fucking CTC. best. Yeah. One of the best video games I've ever played. Um I believe it's on sale right now, actually, too. I've owned it for fucking years, of course. But uh, go get that on Steam if you have, like, 30 bucks to spare. It's one of the highest That's rated... Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah, Divin- Definitive Edition. Um, it's oh, one of the wow. highest rated games on Steam for good reason. Uh, game's so fucking good that they're like, make Larian make Baldur's Gate 3. And Larian's like, okay, but we're just going to make it basically like Divinity. And they're like, that's cool. Why contain it? That's cool, man. Uh, that game's coming out, uh, that Baldur's Gate's coming out probably within the year here, so I, I exciting. fucking highly doubt that. Um, it's right. still in early access and they don't have a release date for it. Um, I thought I just read something about that recently. No. I, I don't, I'm not talking out of my ass. I thought like, they don't even have all of the classes and races released yet, Lee. So I, would ex- I wouldn't expect this game to release in 2022 whatsoever, like maybe late 2023. It's official. Baldur's Gate 3 definitely won't get a full release until 2023. Exactly. That's what I said, yeah. Yeah, but it is expected to officially release in 2023, so if it, yeah, if it hits early 2023, I'll, I'll be correct. They'll be one of the longest <laughs> video games ever released, probably, because just the first, like, I guess you would call it act, um, took me, like, 50 hours to beat, and I didn't even do everything, Jeez. yeah. Wow. 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 Uh, cool. What else do I got on my list here? Uh, I played the very beginning of that Kirby game, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. The mean uh, it's one. It's got a sick, sick anime opening uh, where Kirby is has swallowed a car and he's just driving to town. Uh, what, do you, what do you need to know about a Kirby game? Uh, this one's in 3D, uh, otherwise it has all the same charm and uh, controls are tight, uh, basically in the same way that y- you would play a, a side-scrolling Kirby game. If I could compare it to anything, I would say Super Mario Odyssey... Uh, but a lot of real quick experiences, a lot of little bonus stages and things that you come to expect from Kirby. If you like Kirby, if you like 3D platform action games, fucking check it out. It's it's good. It's good. Kirby's good. Turns out. Yeah. Uh, Elden Ring. Dude, Kirby, yeah. El- didn't Kirby outsell Elden Ring in Japan? I don't know that that's true. I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, uh, that would be great if that happened. I, I don't think... I don't think that's possible. Maybe in that Kirby came out a month later, so maybe that in that particular sprint Kirby uh, outsold Elden Ring after Elden Ring had already been out for a month. But 
I don't think overall sales, uh, Elden Ring is, is, is the king right now. El- Speaking of Elden Ring and being the king, uh, <laughs> I, I've, a new Elden Lord uh, has been added to our roster of Elden Lords here. I joined the ranks of both Reed and Nick in completing Elden Ring this past weekend. Hey, what ending did you take, I, by the way, quick? I, I simped for Ronnie, and we, we ended up holding hand and hand and hand and so just you and, floating amongst the stars. So you and Nick chose the same one? I don't think Nick... I, I, I don't know if Nick knew he had alternatives. Like, you can use the Mending Ruin, or you could you do right, whatever right, right. on the statue. But huh? I, I'm just saying, it would have been cool if we all had three different endings. Anyway. It would be cool, Nick. <laughs> uh, my my entire playthrough was like the, the main focus was the Ronnie quest line, so I'm like this this would be my this character's canonical ending to the point where I murdered Fia before I could even uh, finish her quest line. You you uh, if you when you find Fia at the end of the game, do you know what I'm talking about or do you miss? No, this? I have no idea because I did Lord of okay. Flame. When you're in the uh, deep root area, sure, which you you went to right. Mm-hmm. That's where they, uh, that's like the roots of the Elden Tree where they lay the demigod who's dead in the opening cutscene down, who's Fia's husband. Sure. Uh, you find Fia there again, and you basically fight all of the good NPCs from the round table's spirits, and then you have the option of killing her, uh, but she's not targetable, so of course that means there's more. Uh, you can take her embrace one more time, and then she opens up a portal next to her, and there's an optional dragon boss fight. Uh, in the game to complete her quest line, and then you can do the Fia ending. Uh, she, I, in the, the canon I was going through, is just like, nah, bitch, you can, every demigod except for Fia Ronnie gets has to an die. So, what's, Fia has an ending. Yeah. So, how many fucking endings Fia. are in this game? Because I know there's the Golden Six. I know there's the Golden Order ending, the Lord of Frenzy Flame ending, um, the ending you guys got. Um, I guess, I'm guessing there's an ending that you can take if you didn't do anybody's side quest and you just like beat bosses and then beat the game. Yeah, so there's there's like a uh, you can use the mending ruin. You can do the dung eater ending where you like yeah, do a corrupted version of the mending ruin and you disease everything. Uh, and there's like a shit sky. There's there's like four of the endings are basically the same. It's just like the the golden order ending is just like well everything will remain the same except Marika and uh, the greater will is is out and you are now the king. Uh, and then there's like there's different versions. So, there's the, uh, Lee, yeah. did you also have to burn the tree in your playthrough? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you also have embers flying around everywhere now? Yeah, everybody burns the tree. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's good, at least. How you burn the tree is up to you. You can do the frenzied flame thing, and then the your maiden uh, accomplice there doesn't have to kill herself okay, in the, the... Wait a second. Now, I... Kate, you know how the game boots you back to, like, before when you beat the game? If you choose not to immediately go, and obviously spoilers, by the yeah. way, uh, if you choose not to do Journey 2, a.k.a. New Game Plus, it boots you back to the round table and you can beat the last boss again. Okay, could I, like, get all the under endings now? I believe so. Uh, oh, except fuck. you have the Frenzied Flame, so you're locked out from the other endings unless you revoke the flame. Yeah, that's what I mean. I can just go revoke yeah. it, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You get uh, you get Mikella's Needle, and then you have to go do a side quest in the Crumbling Azula or whatever and you can get rid of the flame and then experience the other endings, I believe. Yes. Well, now, depending on the order you do that in, uh, so if you let the maiden uh, basically sacrifice herself to burn the tree no, uh, I, after that, whatever I, you want. She yeah. already left me, so. Okay, so you got the frenzied flame, and she was just like, well, thanks for taking away my fate. You're a, you're a bitch, and left. Yes. Yeah, so she she leaves, but she does technically survive then. Yeah, well, so you she, save show, her life. she shows up in yeah. my ending, actually. 
Oh, yeah. In the so, Frenzy Flame ending. Yeah, so in the Lord of the Frenzy Flame ending, like, you burn everything down, and then as far as you know, you're, like, Seth the, Rollins. the yep. only place that is left is just, like, where you were in this pile of ash. She shows up and digs through the ashes, and she finds the little ring. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yep. but that's, but you can also do it, so in my game, she had already sacrificed herself, and then I was still, a, I could still go, and I almost accidentally did, get the frenzied flame so you can have both outcomes where you get that out yeah. ending and then maybe she so, isn't there yeah i'm curious then uh i guess i could still get the other end because her only purpose is to help burn down the tree so fuck i'll her. be honest with you i've seen all the endings i don't know that you need to personally unless you want to make a stream of it and just be like we're going to get all the endings here in real time Th- they're very short they're very uh, four oh, of I them are very very similar yeah i don't care about the actual content of the endings it'd be more for achievements more than anything at that point i would say yeah, I don't. I think uh, Ron, Ronnie's ending has an achievement. The frenzied flame ending, I think, has an achievement, and then the rest of them maybe just have a generic achievement. Um, and then the thing is, the side quests uh, lock you out of bosses, and those bosses have achievements. Uh, so you do like you also are required to get ancient uh, dragon somber stones to upgrade all the legendary weapons to get the like 100 percent achievements or whatever. So unless you are going to play this game through another one or you know two times to get all the achievements it's i don't know if it's worth it like i'm trying to walk away from this game i'm trying not to play it anymore yeah i haven't played it forever (laughs) (laughs) like because the first thing you do when you beat the game is you're just like could it could you imagine doing new game plus where you're just using waves of gold to obliterate fucking everything uh or or better yet do a completely different build but have all the stats there ready to go all your spells and stuff that you've unlocked uh is is maybe one day I'll go back, but for now, I did everything I could think to do. I explored every area. I made sure to find any su- every subterranean area and fight all the bosses I could, and I am done. So, yeah, me too. What was your favorite boss of the game? My favorite boss of Elden Ring. Ooh, that's tough. Um, like most enjoyable, and that's one of my. I wouldn't say a negative, but I think that's one of the weaker aspects of Elden Ring is it overall, because there's so many forgettable bosses, is that the overall roster feels um, not as good as, say, Dark Souls 3 or Bloodborne, where both those games, I could point to two or three bosses and say, I really like fighting these bosses. They are fun to fight. Uh, Elden Ring had a lot of bosses that either died very quickly, um, or were, like, super fucking annoying to fight, like, the bell ringing hunter, um, with his, like, telepathy, yeah, yeah, with, with his telepathic, telepathic sword, or whatever you want to call it, um, yeah, most enjoyable boss fight for me, I guess I would have to give it to, uh, General Radon, just, from a pure like holy shit this is so different a spectacle yeah this is so different and new from like anything i've played and like like i said before on on here um i played all of the souls games before i played elden ring so going into a boss that was so different that was almost entirely new mechanics for me was very very enjoyable uh one of my favorite reactions on stream i had of that where i was just losing my fucking mind about how cool this fight is um so yeah i'd probably say general radon that's a good one. Uh, I like the uh, when you go to the uh, before you get to the moonlight altar or whatever area. There's the, you fight that big celestial scorpion. Oh uh, yeah, that one was really cool too. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. that. Just because it's like what the fuck? Uh, the ancestral spirit, of course. We've talked about the music before, but oh, that as a boss fight 
is very serene and very cool. Uh, Rodan, I think, is in terms of spectacle the coolest boss fight. Uh, Rykard was was fun. Uh, this is a gimmick boss fight, though. Um, the final fight with the greater will when you're just fighting this spaghetti monster in space. I mean, it, it fits. Um, it was good. Is it like? Uh, I'm trying to think because like if you if you melt some of the bosses, like if you get over leveled uh, for some of these bosses. You almost have a different experience with them. You have a different level of respect for them, uh, based on when you when you approach them, when you went and beat them. I was so overleveled for the Radon boss fight that like I beat it on my first try. I'm understanding other people took. Oh, you know took, they got to that. Yeah, I was yeah. not overleveled for that, and it took me like ten fucking tries to get that down. You, you miss a lot of the nuance in the the moves of the characters and 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 their full move set even because like when you think about it, I always think about my when you do a good run on a boss and you finally beat the boss in Elden Ring. That's it. You don't fight them again unless you go get summoned into somebody else's game to do it. So if I had a fluke win where I just you know the the last time I went to fight Radagon in the in the last thing like he didn't touch me like it, it was just like we oh I fucked him up. This is the run. This is the run kind of thing, and it's then yours to lose. But it's just like, that could have happened my first play, and I would have no idea of their moveset or, or the spectacle of their moveset, and it's almost worth it to sack on your first time through a boss fight just to see what they can do, just for the sake of, like, the spectacle of it. Because some of these bosses have such cool imaginative movesets um, that it's kind of a shame that you can get too overleveled and just absolutely obliterate some of them, which yeah. is sounding contradictory to to the idea of Elden Ring, which is yeah. just, like, win uh, and, at any cost, but... Yeah, and from, like, just a personal point of view, I would have liked if the final boss was something that wasn't just, like, the Elden Beast. Like, I understand if you do the lore and the research and you put in the work behind it, you can, like, maybe it means something a lot more to you. Um, but what I really like about the Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne final bosses, Bloodborne's final boss, quote-unquote, um, but Gwyn in Dark Souls 1, you hear about since the opening cinematic, you hear about throughout the entire game. His story is relatively simple, so it comes across to you very easily. You just know that he is the first, like, he was the first lord, one of the first of the four, that touched the first, uh, so, that touched the first flame, got a Dark Soul, and has artificially been extending um, the life of the first flame. So you think he's just some great huge warrior who can't be fucked with he defeated all the dragons and when he get into his boss arena there's no there's no cut scene there's no grand entrance he's just there hollow he has gone like gone completely fucking hollow like everybody else like just like that perfect thematic ending where no matter what you do everything like time comes for us all it's fucking perfect that awesome sure. melancholy song, which is completely different. Every other song you've heard this entire game has been this bombastic, operatic, uh, heavy instrumental thing. And when you fight Gwyn, it's just one piano the entire time. And it leaves such a huge impression on you. Uh, Bloodborne, uh, the very, one of the very first characters you meet is Garenum, and you just And like, you can find secret dialogue of him, of him secretly. Uh, I said secret dialogue of him secretly. Of, of him being uh, of him living in despair in this supposed dream um he just calls himself the hunter's helper he gives you tips like he's generally like one of the only friendly npcs you can find in the game and at the end of the game it, like he offers to put you out of your misery and most people would say yes if you picked up on a few of the things that you have to come across for story purposes you have to come across them you understand that he's trapped in here just as more just as much as you are him and you can fight him, and it 
leads with a really awesome couple lines where he's like, tonight, Garendam joins the hunt. So you're like this mythical first hunter that you've heard about the entire game. Now he's showing up and you have to fucking fight him. You're like, holy shit. Uh, incredible visuals for that fight. Just this field of white flowers with the big moon in the background. Very reminiscent of like Sekiro. Um, yeah. Amazing the, song. The, and then Elden my, Ring. My interpretation. Yeah. Elden Ring almost had that with Godfrey. I started losing my shit when Godfrey showed up and he's like, I've come to consort with the Elden Ring once more. I'm Godfrey, the first Elden Lord. I was like, oh, fuck, let's do this. Um, So they should have kept building off of that. Yeah. And then he, so Godfrey is his Elden Lord name. And then he eventually like kills his lion, gets covered in blood and then decides to fucking Zangief you as Horalu, which is his his pre-name that was his warrior name when he slayed the dragon the knights the giants before he was basically cast out uh of the, of the lands between it the entire game is is the stage is set for man to kill god and can he and then you do uh then you do. but 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 how much you read into the lore of radagon and marka and and what the elden beast represents which is just like this fucking celestial piece of the greater will that was left behind to serve as a god in these lands and you basically learn through the lore that this is no god this is just a creature uh that's imposing its will upon these lands uh posing as a god uh and and you're you're the jrpg protagonist there to fucking slay him uh and that's kind of that's the game uh you kill as many of the demigods as you want uh, and basically you are just taking their power for yourself and then deciding the fate of these lands. Uh, so as like a prequel game, if you want to talk about it as like this is the first story in the Souls universe of just man rising up and taking away power from these false gods, then the Elden Ring is that. Uh, it, it doesn't need to be any more or less. I don't know if they're going to expand on the story in that way in in lore uh, or DLC or whatever, but you you basically march up to that fucking tree, burn it down, this this false uh, god, this giant golden tree that the alien has planted here. Uh, you go kill the old old boss, you kill the fucking alien, and you're the, you're the man. That's the game. So. That's Elden yeah. Ring, baby. That's Elden Ring, baby. But, th- but that's hardly the point. Like, talking about the ending of Elden Ring is hardly the point of Elden Ring. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, uh, for times to come. I wanted to talk about, like, your least liked game part of the games or what you died most on, because I could definitely flesh out my top five. Uh, oh, but definitely. it's the exploration. It's looking back on that map and realizing how fucking far you've come, all the things you've discovered, all the towns and enemies and NPCs throughout, and just the fucking scope of the adventure you were on before you could slay that god is is the... Yeah, what makes it, it a masterpiece? Yeah, it's, and yeah. I think we're gonna have like one more episode where we do cover those topics of what we enjoyed and disliked the most. Um, but yeah, if there's one thing I could say about Elden Ring, when you finish it, it does feel like you you haven't. It's not like beating a like beating a Final Fantasy. Being a Final Fantasy, you still feel like you could accomplished a journey and an, an adventure at the end. But this really felt like you you accomplished it your own way. And you had your own unique experience, individual from everyone else, because you're so isolated yeah. in this world. And it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you get attacked by, what's his name, Orpheal or whatever, the, the old man from the round table, like, attacks you near, right near the end. Yeah. He, like, shows up, and he's just like, okay, enough is enough. Like, a man can't kill a god. You're being silly. And he fights you, and he's got all the remembrances. And you're like, well, what ha- What? What the fuck's the background of this guy? Did he all... Like, what? Uh, it's... 
the, the game is posing mysteries to you to the very end. Uh, and it's if you like that lore that's basically already taken place before the game starts, uh, you will appreciate your character's st- uh, journey through the game where you are basically there to mop up uh, this fucking mess that like, and then you don't know the true intentions of Marika slash Radagon. You know Marika's imprisoned in that rune arc at the end. Uh, is is Radagon her like other? Is that the one that's under the influence of the god? And she is who destroyed the ring. Marika destroyed the ring. Uh, okay, was she trying to fight back? And then like, man, it's all there. It's all there to be on. George R. R. Martin left it all there for us. We just got to unwrap it. You know. Yep. Uh, Cool. So, anyway, so somewhere uh, there at Ice for Podcast. Somewhere yeah, there is the up. somewhere and there is the ending to a song of ice and fire. Yeah, and somewhere, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in the lore of Elden Ring, you actually find the true ending of Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, and it's, and it's this. It's Elden Ring. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, he did at Ice for Podcast is us on uh, Twitter. Uh, now owned by Elon Musk. Leah, it's uh, tisseyasper.com is our email address. Send us questions, topics, anything you want on there. Uh, a loaded episode. Thank you as always for joining us for myself, Lee, and for Reed. We'll talk to you again next week.